0: first scripture of the day is 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 through 5. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed into rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Then we have Exodus chapter chapter 36, verses 6 and 7. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. The word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks be to God. Good morning. Who's happy for this rain? Yeah, me too. My sinuses are celebrating right now because... The dust was killing me. Um, Okay, look, I want you to imagine a scenario with me this morning. So everybody ready? We're going to use our imaginations. You on board? Yeah? Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so you go to your mailbox one day, and you pull all your mail out, and you're going through it, and there's a letter there. From Parkway Heights. And so you open it up and you read it and in the letter it says this, we are pleased to inform you that we have received more than enough resources to do the work of ministry. In fact, we have such an abundance that we are in the position of having to figure out how we will use all that we have. So please stop your giving. Stop your giving. All right, so you put your letter away. You're a little confused. You come to church the next Sunday, and to your absolute delight, the ushers start passing the offering plates. And You're so excited when suddenly Danny Kibodeau, the chairman of our finance committee, jumps to the front and says, Stop! Please restrain yourselves. Do not give. We have more than enough. You'd be thinking, who are you and what have you done with our finance chairman? What is going on? Um, that seems crazy, right? Does that seem crazy? Would you like to see? Yeah, okay, it seems a little bit crazy. But, you know, what if, what if we, were, we had more than enough resources here that we no longer had to ask the question, how will we maintain what we already have? And we could start asking the question, um, how will we be a blessing to our community and to our world with the overabundance of resources that we have been blessed with? I mean, imagine the fun of dreaming up new and creative ways uh, to meet needs and to bless hurting people, Of visioning with no limits. No limits at all. New ways to tell people about the love and the grace and the mercy, the good news that is in Jesus Christ. How much fun would that be? What if? How would that change every meeting, every committee meeting, every planning session that we had here at Parkway Heights? What if? What if? Um, Last week, Carrie, our guest preacher, talked about Christ's miracle of the loaves and fish and how in Jesus' hands, uh, a small offering of one little boy's lunch became well more than enough with leftovers to feed thousands of people. So this morning... We're going to look at two instances in Scripture where that same miracle of multiplication happened, but in the hearts of people, and where the scenario, that silly scenario that we imagined together this morning, pretty much happened in two communities of faith. So our first example is from Exodus um, chapters 35 and 36. If you've got your Bible with you, I encourage you to just kind of find that and let your eyes rest on it. All these verses will be on the screen for you, though. But the Israelites um, here in chapters, you know, about 35, 36 of Exodus, they've been instructed to build a sanctuary for their worship of God. And in Exodus 35, 5, Moses um, tells them, let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord. And then he lists out all that they're going to need to build the sanctuary. And you skip down to verses 20 through 22, you read, so the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle. Both men and women came, all whose hearts were willing. So what you see is there's like there's no pressure to give, just the instruction that all whose hearts were stirred, all whose spirits were moved were asked to bring their offering. So if you skip over to Exodus 36 and you look in verses 2 through 7, you see what the result of that request was. So Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and reported... The people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has asked us to do. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. So many materials were brought day after day beyond the point of sufficiency that the craftsmen who were trying to construct the sanctuary had to stop what they were doing. They had to go to Moses and say, Moses, Moses, tell them to quit. I mean, we've got, more, we've got more than enough to do what the Lord's commanded us to do. And so then Moses has got to go out and he sends a message to the whole community. And in their mailboxes the next morning, they open their letter and they see that Moses has said, like, just restrain your giving. Just stop, we've got more than enough. Some of those versions, they don't say they just stopped their giving. They actually use that word, restrain your giving. So the picture we get is not of them saying, oh my gosh, thank goodness, I am so glad that stewardship campaign is over. It was not that kind of attitude at all. Moses was having to convince them to stop. He was having to convince them, restrain them. From giving. It's a picture of people giving not out of obligation or duty. This was not a reluctant meeting of requirement. This was exuberant giving, overflowing out of joy. Okay, so a second place we see this miracle of multiplication happening in the hearts of people is Second Corinthians eight, one through five, where Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about the believers in Macedonia, and he's telling them about this overflowing generosity that was coming from them. So 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, he says, "...we want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor." Okay, so you've got these Macedonians who are, they're extremely poor. Um, In fact, the troubles that they were facing were a direct result of their extreme poverty. It's um, what one scholar scholar called a, a deep down poverty, like rock bottom, can't get any worse than their poverty kind of a situation. So they're extremely poor, but look what he says, But, but... They are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. So I just want you to to see that paradox between many troubles and abundant joy, between deep down poverty and rich generosity. I mean, that's just like God, isn't it? To take something that's a tough thing, a hard thing, a a broken thing, and, and flip it over into something good to make something beautiful come out of it. It was so cool. Okay, and he says, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And look, they did it of their own free will. Sounds just like the Israelites, doesn't it? They did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. Okay, so what was the more? It was this that their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. In other words, they didn't just give a financial gift. They didn't just give this like amazing amount of money. They, they gave themselves to the Lord. And once they were in his hands, like that little boy's lunch, that we talked about last Sunday. They experienced God's grace at work, and that miracle of multiplication happened right there in their very poor midst. From people who were rock-bottom poor, extravagant, rich, generosity overflowed to the point that they were begging to be a part of the gift For other struggling believers in the church in Jerusalem. You know, I was thinking about how such extravagant generosity um, could flow out of such extreme poverty. And as I considered that, you know, the thought occurred to me that it really is true that our greatest giving always comes from a knowledge of our poverty. You know, not just a physical poverty, but the knowledge of our spiritual poverty. So, so for instance, we're going to look back at the Israelites in Exodus 36 for a moment. So back to Exodus 36. What we've seen from the passages that we've looked at so far is their exuberant and joyful giving. But what happened just a few chapters prior to this is the key to understanding why that was the case. Okay, so here's what happened. Moses is up on the mountain. Uh, with God. He's actually receiving the law, okay? He's getting the Ten Commandments. It's a sign of God's covenant with his people. He's up there. He's up there for a while. I mean, that kind of stuff takes a little bit, so he's up there, and, and the people get really impatient, and they're like, where is this Moses guy? You know, he's supposed to be leading us. He just left us out here, and so what they do is they convince Moses' brother Aaron to help them build a false idol, that golden calf So they make this contribution of all their gold earrings and stuff. And they build this calf. They make this false god so that they could feel like they had somebody who was leading them, you know, something that they could worship, something they could trust in. So Moses comes down from the mountain and he finds them celebrating and dancing and giving glory to that golden calf, that false god, that that was the god that had rescued them from Egypt, that that was the god who had released them from their bondage and their captivity. I mean, it was just complete disobedience, complete lack of trust, In God. And the result of that rebellion was that they were now at risk of losing God's very presence with them. Now, look, understand with me that God's very presence was exactly what made them special, it was the thing that set them apart from the other nations. His very presence was how they were freed from their bondage in Egypt. His very presence was what was keeping them safe, was he was the one who was providing for them. So now they're at risk of losing all of that because of their rebellion. So Moses, he's mad at them, but he went to the Lord and he interceded. He prayed on their behalf. And, and it's actually a very moving scene in Exodus 33 and 34. I encourage you uh, to read that. It's really powerful. And so Moses has this powerful encounter with God. And after that encounter, he just falls on his face in worship. And then he prays this. He says, oh, Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. God, whatever you do, don't leave us. God, we're wrong. We're rebellious. We don't deserve you, but God, forgive us and claim us as your own. And you know what he did? He forgave them. And he reestablished his covenant with them, promising to never leave, never forsake. In other words, guys, he gave them exactly what they did not deserve. He gave them exactly what they did not deserve. On the heels of their extreme disobedience, on the heels of their extreme poverty of spirit, God poured extreme grace over their heads. And then he asked them to build a sanctuary for him that would be a physical proof of his presence with them and would help them learn how to be committed to him and to have a relationship with him. So let me ask you this. Do you think they were aware of that gift that they'd been given? I think they absolutely were. I think that's exactly why. They were being so generous. I mean, they were this close, y'all, this close to losing exactly what made them special, losing God's very presence with them. And quite frankly, it's what they deserved. But he extended forgiveness and mercy to them instead. And because of that knowledge, the knowledge of God's extreme Grace and mercy compared to their extreme sin and disobedience. They were filled to overflowing with joy. And out of that spilled extravagant generosity for the building of God's sanctuary. You know, the key for us to become extravagant and generous givers is for us to first acknowledge the extravagant and generous grace God and Christ has given us. And you know what? It's when I see the contrast between myself and God, when I see that all of my best deeds, the best stuff I can bring to the table, me on my best day is like the filthiest of rags compared to his goodness and to his holiness. When I see, when I truly recognize how deserving I am of his goodness and his grace, when I see that, but at the same time, I see that he loves me and that he lavishes me with love and grace and forgiveness and provision and joy and comfort, then my joy overflows Just Overflows And you know what? Then my generosity just abounds because God has been so generous to me. How can I not be generous in return? How could I not? So when was the last time you just really thought about and thanked God for the grace that he's shown you in your life? I mean, I just encourage you to give that some serious thought and tell God how thankful you are for him, remember with detail the ways that he's been present with you, the ways that he's provided for you, saved you, comforted you, given you a second chance. Consider where you would be without him. Just think about that one. And then open your heart to him again and just let him pour his love into you. Let him fill you to overflowing with joy and then let your generosity flow out of that heart of gratitude and thanksgiving for all that he's done for you. So what if, guys, what if we truly did that? Each and every one of us in this community of faith, we just went back and we spent some time telling God how amazing he is acknowledging that, praising him for it, and we just let him fill us up. I think we would experience a true overabundance, you know what, not just of resources. We would experience an abundance of joy. We would experience right here in our midst a multiplication of impact that our church is able to have in our community. And in our world, and I don't know about you, I think I do, I want to be a part of a movement like that. I think you want to be a part of a movement like that. Can you imagine us experiencing a miracle of multiplication like that right in our very midst? You know, one of the first things that impressed me about this community of faith when I first moved here a little over three years ago was the fact that you guys had done this huge capital campaign to construct this building, not just for yourselves, but it was really like, we're going to build this and we're going to give it away. We're going to give it away to our community as much as we possibly can. It is open, okay? It's not just for us. Um, and not only were you able to, to, to raise enough resources and bring in enough resources to construct this building and have, in fact, given it away to the community repeatedly, but you guys made the decision to give away something like $88,000 to the ministries and agencies in this community that work daily to meet the needs of Hurting and and stressed out, uh, needy people in this community. I was amazed by that. Um, sadly, I'd never heard of a church doing that before. I'd never been a part of a church that would say we need a lot of money to to get this building uh, settled and that debt settled. But you know what? We're going to give away almost a hundred thousand dollars. We're just going to give it away. That's amazing, and I was so proud was so proud to be a part of a community that would think like that, that would be that extravagantly generous. Um, what if we did that again and more? What if we did that again and more? What if we commit to letting the love of God fill our hearts in a fresh and a new way, to for him to do a new thing with us. I mean, what if we overflow in gratitude and thankfulness for all that he's done for us? And and then what if we fill this place to overflowing so we can dream and we can vision without limits together? What would that be like? What if we were able to move from maintenance? How are we going to keep the lights on? How will we continue to do what we're already doing? And we were able to move to like amazing impact in our community. How fun, how exciting would that be? What if, what if it's possible, it's totally possible. So I just encourage you, you don't let this be just another stewardship sermon you heard and you're like, "Woo, glad that campaign's over. I mean, like, let's not do that. Let's say, Lord, what do you want to do? What have you already done in me? Praise him for that. Thank him for that. And then say, Lord, use me. You tell me what you need and I will do it. Every one of us does that. Guys, It's going to be loaves and fishes all over again, right here, right here. Um, You want to be a part of that, I promise you. You do. So let's encourage each other in that way. Let's hold each other up, and let's let our generosity flow. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for being a generous God just full to overflowing of love and grace and mercy, and you are so generous. You love to pour that over us. You love to lavish us. Lord, I pray that we would have hearts that are exactly like yours, Lord, that we would be filled to overflowing and that our lavish generosity would just come from us, Lord, and that we would make an impact in this world, that we could vision with you, Lord, that we could truly partner and just say, Lord, what do you want? Do it through us. Lord, we want that. So Holy Spirit, come and rest on us and move us and give the confidence we need when we're stressed out and we're afraid. We're afraid because the scarcity thing is just such a big issue for us, Lord. Let's prove yourself to be provider and the one who just gives. And let us think beyond money, but let us think about just other resources and time too, God. But let us be generous for your sake, for your glory, for the sake of people around us who need you so badly, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Okay, look, we are taking up the offering this morning, okay? So, um... Let's continue in our worship now as we give to God his tithes and our offerings.